0: Have you ever seen some idiot out at the crag and thought to yourself, holy shit, I bet that guy's got a lot of stories. Well, you're in the right place, my friend, because this week's episode is all about story time. So throw your rope in the closet where it belongs and grab a chalk bag for your sweaty, sweaty palms. The process is about to begin. current goings on in life getting super stoked about guitar um because of the podcast getting super stoked about the podcast because of the guitar i've got myself a sick little expression pedal that i'm going to use on this episode and i've got myself a six string bass guitar Yeah, you will probably heard my 12-string regular guitars in previous episodes. Uh, so seeing as my modus operandi seems to be capped in extra strings, I went straight for the 6-string bass. It's gonna punish me a little bit on the learning curve, but, yeah, the thing's just got mojo, and I like it, and you can't beat that. So since it's got that mojo, it's got me stoked to practice. And if you're not stoked to practice, well... There's no training plan in the universe quite as effective as the one you're willing to follow. So, on that note, six-string basic guitar. That's what I'm after. Um... Oh yeah, I signed up for bass guitar lessons. So I've been joking about my uh, lack of ability to keep tempo and some of the fundamentals on this episode, and I promised to do something about it. And these online lessons were 25 bucks a month, so... Many thanks to scottsbaselessons.com. Pretty fucking stoked about that. Hey guys, how's it going? Scotty from scottsbaselessons.com, and today we're talking about technique. Technique fails. Bass technique fails. The reason why I want to talk about bass technique fails is because. Our technique on our instrument is, it's kind of like the foundation of everything we do. If we get this wrong, everything is going to be wrong. Once upon a time, I was a new climber. Who wasn't? You know? Everybody's new sometime. And we wanted to go on a big, grand old trip. We'd never done anything like that before, though. So we set our destination as Colorado, Went with my girlfriend at the time, and she had family up there. So we were going to go visit the family for the 4th of July, and then keep driving around to go do some rock climbing. Pretty cool little experience. So we printed out a bunch of sheets on Google Maps, and we had a big old atlas, and we charted our direction towards Colorado. Right as we were leaving Houston, we were fleeing with a tropical storm right on our heels. We got the fuck out of Dodge just in time. So we drove our way through the uh, nothingness, which is the path, uh, the panhandle of Texas, through Arizona on up to Colorado, hung out with the family, blew a few things up, looked at the uh, nature behind the cabin, and then after that, It was time to go rock. So we rolled on down to Golden Gate State Park. And we hung out there. We were able to boondock it. Well, not quite boondock it, but the camping was cheap. And then we, uh... (laughs) I had my little old Nissan Frontier, and uh, one of my favorite games is called How Far Can I Go in Neutral? Love that stick shift. I think I went something like... 26 miles in neutral. It was like piloting a roller coaster, but with brakes when you need them. And we got down to Boulder, and we were expecting to encounter rain. You know, afternoon thunderstorms are a thing that we'd heard about. You know, the kind of thing that has people shaking in their little space boots. And so you gotta get that good old-fashioned alpine start so that you don't wind up in trouble. What we weren't counting on was rain at 9 o'clock in the morning for an entire week. That tropical storm we had fled? What was left of it had caught up with us. <laughs> to get out of this situation. We went down to the local REI and started flipping through guidebooks and seeing what was on the shelf, and and we had friends back home who were getting on the computer and searching on Google to see what the nearest crags were. Mind you, this was far enough back that Googling wasn't a verb yet. We still had our little Brick phones with nothing more advanced than text messaging. (laughs) Well, we discovered that Devil's Tower, Wyoming was eight hours away. Meanwhile, the needles of South Dakota were six hours away. That two hours made all the difference. That was the difference between arriving at two o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning. I wasn't up for 4 o'clock, so we went to the Needles of South Dakota. And we drove and we drove through the southeastern corner of Wyoming on a U.S. highway, not even an interstate. And I've driven to El Paso a few times. Did it once where we left at 6 p.m. and a row of at 6 a.m. Jeremy and I, reckoning, it wasn't actually early in the morning. It was late at night. We hadn't slept. So we sat down and had our evening scotch as we watched the sunrise. Everybody else pitched tent and got an hour of sleep. <laughs> he and I knew that hour wasn't going to help us any. So we savored the moment and watched the sunrise over the desert. And that was a lot of nothing. Driving through West Texas at 4 o'clock in the morning. I've driven to, at one point, 26 states in the space of 18 months through the Midwest. I've seen a lot of nothing, but I've never seen nothing like the nothing in southeastern Wyoming at midnight. So we turned on to... This little U.S. highway, one lane going in each direction. We drove and we drove and we drove for about 50 miles, and then far off to the right, maybe a mile away, we saw one lone light bulb in the distance. Maybe another 50 miles later, we saw, off to the left, another lonesome light bulb, maybe a mile in the distance. Shortly after this point, we pulled the car over. By which I mean, we stopped right smack in the middle of the highway. (laughs) We hadn't seen another fucking car the whole time. So we turned off the lights and stepped out and looked at the Milky Way. All the stars. It was beautiful. There was no light out here of any kind just us. And then we remembered This is how horror movies begin. So we got the fuck back in that car and started turning tires again. Um and we after a while we knew that we were completely fucking lost. Like we're way out here, man. Where the hell is our turn off? And after about 15 minutes of solid panic, we realized that there's no way we could be lost because we haven't intersected another road for two and a half hours. And so we kept on going. No GPS, mind you. How we got to Colorado, mentioned previously, was Google Map Printouts. The way we were navigating currently was along that atlas. (laughs) When I was a kid and got my first car, my dad gave me this big old thick atlas of the United States. Maybe like three quarters of an inch thick. Almost an inch. He slapped it down on the table and said, Son, one day, you're gonna need this. <laughs> I laughed at the time. But now, I wasn't laughing. I was digging feverishly through the pages of that thing to make sure we weren't lost as fuck all. So we kept on driving. And there it was, a rest stop. Bunch of truckers, lights, soda machines. That was our turnoff to head to Custer, South Dakota. The hills around Custer, South Dakota are old school rowdy trad. The ethic was not to place a bolt unless you had to place a bolt to honor the sacred art of not killing yourself. And even then, sometimes you didn't place a bolt. You just kept on going. So when you're in a old-school, sketchy destination, and you're hanging out at the climber's campground, eventually, the discussion's going to turn to, Hey, what's the most fucked-up thing you've ever seen? My name's Austin, and I'm from Houston. And Cheyenne from Custer had the story that won the day. Cheyenne, you see, was one of those itinerant wanderers in a station wagon. He'd guide rock in the summer in Custer, and he'd guide snow in the winter, skiing in Colorado. One particular summer, Cheyenne was guiding and doing his thing, and this Russian free soloist and his crew show up. Of course he was Russian. Half the good stories out there are Russian, no matter how crazy you are. There's some rock climber from Russia who's way further out there on the lunatic fringe, and this was one such individual. He was running around free solo and stuff. He'd never been there before, so a lot of it was on site, and people were kind of wigging out. He was making them nervous, but after a week or more, they were kind of desensitized, just like, oh, it's that dude again. No, by Custer, South Dakota, there are the needles, a lot of fingers pointing out of the earth where the summit isn't much bigger than a elementary school desk. Well, one day, Captain Free Solo was sacking up for a spire that was one hundred and ten feet tall, and it had a one hundred foot crack in it. It went at five ten B. And the crux region appeared to be off-width. So he sacks up, and right off the deck, he's thrutching and groveling, but it's off-width. That's what you do. You thrutch and grovel. Then the crack narrowed down to fists. He was being careful because they were rattly, but fist jams are rattly. That's what you do. Then it narrowed down a little bit more to hand jams tomahawk and tomahawkin 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 this dude was just swimming right along, but that's what you do with hand jams. you swim with it, and the hand jams got tight, went down to finger locks, and he started moving slow and technical, but that's what you do with finger locks. you move slow and technical and then The crack ended. 110-foot spire with 100 foot of crack. He sits there, jams his feet for security, and contemplates life. He was horribly committed at this point. Reversing those rattly fists and that (laughs) off-width would not be pleasant. While from below, the crux had appeared to be the off-width, Such was not the case. The crux was the end of the crack, 100 feet off the deck. He reaches up with his right hand, pawing around at the blank rock, not finding anything to his satisfaction. So he reaches up with his left hand, and he came up empty. Shifting his feet, he tried again, with the right hand. Nothing more than a couple of smudges to sink his fingers into. He shifted feet again, and went with the left. Nothing. Aha! Chalk! (laughs) Maybe chalk will help. So he chalks up his hands for a little bit of dusty courage, and he's still stalled so he looks over his shoulder and yells, "Pile THE BAGS! Boom, 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 boom. All of his buddies start throwing their bags at the base of the crag. After they're all successfully piled, he nods his head with satisfaction. ZAD! And dinos for this thing that's nothing more than a muffin pulls over the top, and down climbs the 5.8 on the other side of the spire. (laughs) One. What the fuck? Two. I don't know if this guy is an Olympic swan diver or what. But I'm not confident that I'm going to nail that pile of bags from 100 feet off the deck while doing an out-of-control dino maneuver for some godforsaken muffin. Three. I don't know what you put in your climbing bag, but mine's not exactly full of stuffed teddy bears. Fucking bouquet of anodized aluminum and pokey-sharp bits. What were those bags gonna do? Item number the fourth. Everybody in his crew reacted instantaneously. As if this was a routine fucking maneuver. According to legend, once upon a time, and I have no way of telling if this story has even one iota of truth to it, but according to legend, once upon a time on the Great Trango's Fire, there was a Russian crew, noting a theme here, and an American crew sharing a bivvy ledge. For all I know, this might be the rock climber version of a priest and uh, whoever walked into a bar. Anyhow, an American team and a Russian team walked into a bar, I mean, shared a bivy ledge. And they were cooking up dinner and comparing gear, and the Americans had a lot of space-age anodized aluminum that was shiny, looked like it came from NASA, and the Russians had one odd piece of kit stood out. It was a carpenter's tool pouch with open pockets, yeah, what the fuck is that for? Sergey over here hands the tool belt to him without speaking a word. Our American counterpart looked inside the bag, and it was Peton's just sitting there loosely. My God. What the fuck are you going to do if you fall? All these pitons, they could just spill out and then you're marooned up here. Finally, Sergei is inspired to speak. He snatches the tool pouch back and says only, "We don't fall. friend of mine, in the primordial days of the internet, swears he saw this video on YouTube or some such of the Huber brothers climbing together in Yosemite. We've got Huber number one climbing the rock, Huber number two operating the belay, and high up on the rock, Alexander Huber says, Tomas, I cannot do the move. I'm going to fall. Tomas, not having any of this Says, no. Just doubles the power. It was like somebody was flipping on the switch inside of a nuclear bunker, powering up everything to light this rocket and send it off to the stratosphere. To just. Boom. Okay. Bam. Boom. Zap. ya Crack. Cram. Bam. He sends the root. Successfully. Without falling. <laughs> Legend has it that this next story took place roughly 1,500 feet up El Cap, way up there in outer space, halfway between up and down. Two climbers had met in Camp 4 off of a notepad on the message board. You want to climb El Cap? Fuck yeah, I want to climb El Cap. Let's climb El Cap. Okay. So they climbed El Cap. And this uh one pitch that they were staring at was sort of a 5.11 finger crack layback. Dude takes off from the belay. Boom. Bam. Boom. Bam. Rocking out the layback. Dude number 2 says, "Hey man, place a piece." Yeah! Boom, bam, boom, bam. Keeps rocking up the layback, not putting gear in. Place a piece! Yeah! Boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, ba. Getting little bit pumped. Hey man! Place a piece! Yeah! Boom Bam boom bam boom boom clip anchor done he finished the pitch without placing a single piece of gear in one hundred feet. Guy is just stoked out of his gourd. They just saved a lot of time. His climbing partner gets up to him. Hey, what the fuck, man? That was the most reckless thing I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. Reckless? Man, if that was so reckless, and why were you cheering me on? Cheering you on? How in the fuck is yelling place a piece cheering you on to do that? <laughs> oh man! I thought you was yelling, "Unleash the beast!" So remember, folks, when you're out there climbing. Next time you feel like you need the pilesy bags, no, just double the power and unleash the beast, because we don't fall. All right, guys, I'm getting stoked for 2019. The uh, winter training is going well. The fingers are feeling strong as can be. I wake up in the morning and I like my job. So I'm stoked to go to work and teach people the skills they need to succeed on cell phone towers. Uh, But just remember out there, if you're driving along and your cell phone doesn't have crap for coverage, those were probably some of my students that did the install. So... I'm all stoked teaching them skills and what have you. That's, uh, you know, my nickname on the Tower Crew was The Professor. (laughs) And here I am professing now. I wake up in the morning stoked to do my professing. And then I finish up teaching the guys what they need. And all of a sudden, I'm stoked to go train at the gym. Because I'm going to tear stuff up in 2019. Ostensibly, maybe. We'll see. Thanks, Lattice. And then I get finished with my training session, and all of a sudden, I'm stoked to go home, because I've got a six-string bass guitar just waiting for me to learn how the fuck to use it. Huh. I guess all I'm doing is training all day long. Spend eight hours training other people. Then I go and train my fingers to be strong. Then I go and train them to be quick and funky. Not a bad life. So uh, if y'all are digging the mojo, subscribe to the show, share the show. Come on, share the show. It's not that hard. Put the Click the button and doobly-doo, send it out to the Facetron or the Instagerm or what have you, and, you know, strap your friend to a chair and peel their eyes open so they can see everything that's going on in this radio show. Radio show? There's not really any radio involved. Not any video involved either, so you don't have to tape their eyes open. I take that part back. But do strap them to the chair and stick some headphones in their earhole pluggers. And, um, let's build a little Mojo Nation here. Let's get everybody stoked. It'll be a good time. And, uh, you know, because I'm probably giving a really good example out there of exactly what not to do with your life. Yeah, horrible life choices have brought me to the spot where I'm marooned in outer space. Ooh. that would be a good idea for another episode. All the times I've horrendously fucked up back when I was a younger kid learning the craft of free soloing. That'll really convince people not to do this shit. Anyhow. Uh. Yeah, that's the end of the show for today. So, remember. Be safe out there. But if for some reason you find yourself constitutionally incapable of being safe because of some temporary or more permanent form of the best kind of madness, be careful. Because life is an inherently dangerous sport, and every single rock climber is an unnecessary risk taker. It's not like we've got David Attenborough uh, narrating our lives, going, Look, there's the rock climber, scaling cliffs in search of food and a mate." No, we go up there because we think it's fun. How fucked up is that? You could just walk around the backside. And here we are, flogging our fingers against these plastic bouldering walls and fingerboards so that we can go up at the dumbass way. Bonkers. And y'all think I'm crazy. Speaking of crazy, just a pleasant reminder out there that this show, it doesn't have anything to do with big climbing. No, we don't get free shoes. We don't get free nothing. We, meaning I, make my own way. I've never been a dirt bag, but I have smelled really, really bad at times in my life. So this show it's about as far away from big climbing as you can get. You think this is big climbing? No way, my friend. You could be in the middle of the Mojave Desert, smelling bad, living a life, visiting naked hippie hot springs, only to roll back into Las Vegas, with desert funk crusted all over you to catch your flight home, and you realize Hey, I've got one of them J-O-B things. I've spent a lot of time in hotels. I've got reward points. And boom, the Palazzo shows up on your reward point company. And so you're able to book a night in a suite for free. And you walk up into the lobby of the Palazzo with the ching-ching and all the lights and the money flashing around. And you see a line of people in suits waiting to check in. But over to the left, there's the Platinum Premium line. And you take yourself and your dirt-encrusted dirtbag friends and you go stand right at that Premium line while all the suits give you eye lasers. And you still wouldn't be as far away from big climbing as this is.